0: If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxa Deo Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. Amen. So we are ending our series on Breathe Tonight. Next week is Mother's Day and Aiden is going to preach as a new mother. You can't miss that. Come on. So the week after that, we're going to start a series which we call One Another, which I think is going to be incredible. It's all about us and how God has placed this community of faith together and to live in relationship with one another. But tonight we're ending off the Breathe series and I want to start like this. So last weekend I had the privilege of hiking the um, amphitheater in the Drakensberg, the Sentinel Peak and the Tugela Falls. Anyone who's done that? little, small, very uh, uh, insignificant hike. Anyone? Okay, but I wasn't on a hike. I was on a character challenge. So they tried to kill us, all right? They tried to, you know, make Christian men swear, and we did. Not I, but the rest. And um, they... uh, They planned the whole thing in such a way that they wanted you to break, to test your character, to come to a place of utter exhaustion, and then to discover that there's more in you than what you can ever imagine, there's more strength and endurance in you. And uh, at a certain stage, we were hiking the one morning with only two hours of sleep, we were hiking from... The morning, five o'clock till the evening at 11, in the dark, the descent of the mountain in the Drakensberg. It's not pretty at night. The people fall. I mean, they slip. The men cry. It's it's. And then something in me is just like, I also want to cry, but I'm not going to. I'm going to push through. So at one stage, I mean, your muscles literally give in. I mean, every step you're like, <laughs> you know that feeling, eh? <laughs> and you have to be, you know, uh, keep your uh, legs straight to just survive, and as I was doing it, I felt like totally exhausted, and there was one moment of clarity, half past 10 at night in the Drakensberg, I remembered a voice in my head, Coach Eddie, do you know who Eddie is in this evening service, he's our tech guy, just give him a shout out, come on. The most handsome Ted guy that I've ever seen. But anyway, uh, usually tech guys, no, I'm just joking. But Eddie, so Eddie was my coach for this thing. And he taught me a very crucial lesson when we ran up Naval Heel. He said to me, if your, your muscles starts to uh, pain or feel exhausted, or it's like, you can't do one more step, just remember they can actually still function. They just need some oxygen. So he taught me how to breathe. So half past 10 at night on the Drakensberg, I was done. The guys were swearing, they were falling, and I started to breathe. I can't tell you what happened to me in that moment. I felt energized. I felt focused. I felt like my legs were still shaking, but they were giving me more. And here's the crazy thing. Sometimes in your life, You're at a place of utter exhaustion when it comes to your spirituality, your walk with God, your emotions, and your body and your soul tells you there's no way that you can give one more step. My friend, the answer lies in breathing. How much importance is there in physical breathing? How much more important is it to breathe spiritually? to be filled with the breath of God, to be filled with his word, to be filled with his presence. And in this series we said that the the idea of breathing in the character and the presence of God, the beauty of who God is, his majesty, his grace, his holiness, his glory, as we breathe that in, our souls are fed. Our spirits are filled and then we breathe out praise unto Him. Praises, you know, thanksgiving, worship and that motion of breathing in from who He is and breathing out praise is very good for us. It creates a sense of joy. It creates a sense of peace in us. We are at peace with God. We're at peace with ourselves. It is life giving. Worship is so important. I don't want to ask you that question tonight. What do you think about worship? How did you grow up with worship? Anyone who grew up in a more traditional Anglican, Methodist, Enchia, I don't know, more traditional kind of way in worship, it was liturgy and only some people could speak and then you stand and sit and then you get confused. I see that sometimes in this church. You're like, are we standing or are we sitting? I'm just going to stand until you someone says, sit. Anyone of you who grew up in one of those churches? Awesome. Anyone who grew up in the very charismatic side of things? People were singing in different languages that you couldn't understand. They were screaming. Lo, 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 lo. They were um, crying very much. They were coming to the front and running around. Any one of you, flags, that kind of vibe. Anyone who grew up in such churches? Here's the thing, friend. It's not about the church that you grew up in. It's not about the style. Worship is all about the engagement that you experience with God. There's not a right and a wrong with regards to that. It's all about the sincerity of the engagement and experience with God in spirit and in truth, in the sense with all of your emotional capacity. So if someone told you, you shouldn't be too emotional in worship, God says it takes all of your emotional capacity, but also in truth, it engages the mind. It's not just the emotional thing. It's when your mind understands and grasps the goodness and the glory of who God is, It evokes emotion in your heart and it's expressed through your body in worship and in adoration. Worship has been part of the Christian church from the beginning. Have you ever walked into a Christian church without worship? Anyone? No. It's part of who we are. The style might differ. The methods might differ. The instruments might differ. But here's the thing. It's part of the Christian faith. Have you ever walked into a church without the reading of the Bible? No, if you do, don't join that church. Because the Bible is foundational to who we are as Christians. The Word of God, worship, prayer, it's foundational in our walk with God, in our discipleship with God. And let me just tell you the very important thing about worship. Worship is voluntary. Nobody can force you to worship. Nobody can manipulate you to worship. It's not, you know, just normal life to worship. It's not an automatic thing that happens. And it can't be forced. It's a choice to worship. It's a moment of saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to respond now. I'm going to worship you. It's voluntary. All of us have stood in a worship service. Everyone is going at it. And in your mind and in your heart, you're disconnecting and you're taking a step back. You might lift your hands, but your heart and your head is not connected because worship is a choice. It's not something that happens to you. You decide if you want to worship. And what I want to say tonight is my desire for you as a Christian, for you as a disciple of Jesus is that you would live a life filled with worship. That you would live an inspired life of worship. That's my desire for you. Now you're saying, yes, Eugene, I hear you, but why? Why is this so important to you to speak on worship? And I'm going to clarify that now in the Bible. But I hope you hear my heart tonight. I would love for Dr. Deo Fighar Park to take one step forward in terms of Your personal worship, but also as a congregation. We take one step forward and we grow in our worship. I would desire that for your life. And I'm going to explain why in a moment. Won't you turn with me to Psalm chapter 122 as we read uh, the whole Psalm Summer? Let's read together. Psalm 122 out of the NIV, it says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let me just stop there. Anyone who's got a housemate and you've been nagging and inviting and they don't look so joyful to go to the house of the Lord. Anyone? Anyone? Uh, Anyone tonight who has been not too joyful to come to church, but your friend, you know, uh, dragged you along, just be honest for a moment, okay? Uh, Anyone who's got teenagers in the house uh, in the morning, Sunday morning, you're like, come, let's go, let's go. Yes, but I don't want to go. Come, come, come. Yes, but you're the preacher. You have to go. (laughs) Okay, that's me. No, I'm just joking. Here's the thing. It seems like these guys... We're very glad to go to the house of the Lord. Let's read on. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statue given to Israel. There stands the thrones, uh, stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake Of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Now, I'll have to give you background on this because otherwise, it's probably not going to make sense. So, in the Bible, from Psalm 120 up until Psalm 134, we get a specific kind of psalm. It's called the Psalms of Ascent. Basically, what that means is these are songs, pilgrim songs which the Israelites sang on their journey towards Jerusalem. So many times a year, it depends on how devout, devoted you were to the, you know, faith of that time. You would go, leave your city, take your whole family, pack it up, you know, journey for weeks. <laughs> and then you would reach the top where Jerusalem is, on the mountain, where the temple of God is. The, His presence was there. It was a symbol of meeting with God face to face. You would do your thing, worship, and go back to your city. So just imagine for a moment. I'm a dad of three boys and a wife. I've got a mother-in-law, father-in-law, uh, my own father and mother and sisters. And, so all of us would pack up. It would take us about... You know, we, d- we don't have, you know, chefs and Toyotas and, you know, buses and stuff. So we would take a few days, pack up all our things, get um, our grannies together, you know, with the, what is that? The loop Walking rings? <laughs> oh, that's for babies, sorry. Uh, we would pack up our things, we would have our bags and now we're heading towards Jerusalem, baby. I mean, you think that you get... Frustrated driving, you know, home or to Cape Town or whatever. Can you imagine for a moment the frustration? We're traveling now by foot to Jerusalem because dad wants us to go to Jerusalem and go worship. The murmuring, the fights. I mean, who forgot the food for the road, you know? Who didn't pack the water? It is one crazy adventure. You get to Jerusalem, maybe three weeks later than you planned on. You get there, it's hundreds and thousands of people gathering there and each one of them just get like a few minutes in the temple to bring their offerings, worship, and then you're out. So now it's all of this effort. Oh my, the kids are screaming, your wife said, Listen here, can't we just be in another faith? I mean, those guys there back in our city, they just placed, you know, apples and stuff there at some statue. Let's do that. Let's not, you know, go to Jerusalem once a year and, you know, burn ourselves out. You get your family, everyone is fighting, you get at the door of the temple, they let you in, you bring your little dove and your lamb, it's slaughtered. You worship God for two minutes. You leave, you pack up again and head back to your city. Year by year, these Israelites devoted themselves to go to the city of Jerusalem for just a moment in the presence of God to worship Him. Why? Why? And here's this significance in our own lives today. Incredible things happen when a person who is saved by grace, who has new life in Christ, comes to bow the knee in worship before their God. Incredible things happen. Let me tell you a few things that happen when you bow your knee in worship to God. The first thing that happens is, that God takes up His rightful place in your life. You give Him the honour that He deserves. He is God and as you worship Him, that relationship of Him being the Lord and King of your life is restored. You're aligned again to the fact that He is the ruler of your life. You see, as we do life, many times other things start to rule us. We give other lords place in our lives to make decisions, to lead us. And these other lords that we give permission in our lives are very bad kings and lords over us. And when we come in worship, we declare God. We submit ourselves again to the one true living God in worship. You are glorious. You are holy. Something happens when we worship God. That's the first thing that happens. The second thing is this. When you worship the King, when you worship God, you are doing what you were created to do. You are fully functioning in your purpose. You were created to worship Him and when you do that, you are in line with who God made you to be, a worshiper. What happens when you use something, you know, to the to the purpose that it was made for. Sports car. I mean, if you own a sports car in Bloom, you can't really do something with it. The the roads are very, like, short, and bottles, and uh, uh, load-shedding robots. But when you take out that sports car and you put it on the N1 towards Quilzbach, it just comes to its purpose. It's fully functioning, You know, I love speed, so that's why I'm using that example. You can do whatever. Your PlayStation, I mean, if that thing buzzes in the, I know, I'm just joking. You know, whatever it is in your life that if you use it for the purpose it was created, joy comes from that. Satisfaction comes from that. It's actually working. If you are worshipping God, I'm not saying just worshipping, singing and putting your hands up, but if you are living life in the posture of worship, you are living in your created purpose. And here's the third thing, my friend. If God is the king of your life, if He's the ruler of your life, and you are doing what you are created to do, what is the outcome of that? Life Works. I'm not speaking about suffering and pain and sickness and the prosperity kind of teaching. No, I'm saying the order of life works this way. God is king. I worship Him as Lord. Therefore, I am doing what I'm created to do. Therefore, my external life is impacted by that. That's why David is writing here, the city is blessed when we worship Him. The city functions from a place of wholeness and from a place of peace and from a place of security. The city around you is impacted when you worship. Husband, listen here. When you worship your King and you start living in your created purpose, your family is blessed by that. Ladies, listen here. When Jesus is your king and you start living in your created purpose, the people around you are blessed when you are fully alive, when you are human. The city is blessed by that. When Doxodeo as a church worships the king and we start living in our created purpose, the city around us is blessed by it. It becomes a place of peace. You know what's wrong in Bloom? Not the government, You know, the main issue in Bloemfontein is worship. When we worship the king, when this city will bow its knee before the king and he becomes lord of our city, everything else will look different in our city. People will start functioning from their created identity in Christ. Our schools will look different. Our varsities will look different. Our friendships will look different. Our churches will look different. When he Is declared the king. So these guys would travel to Jerusalem, worship there, be transformed by the presence of God, and then they would go back to their towns and implement what they have experienced in Jerusalem. Here's the good news, my friend. You don't have to climb some mountain anymore. You don't have to go to a city or a place or the house of the Lord. Luckily, this is really not the house of the Lord. Otherwise, it should have looked much more impressive than this. Who's the house of the Lord? Tell me, where is the house of the Lord? Some of you are big houses. Some of you are small houses. Make peace with it. Some of you are made out of straw. Some of you are made out of bricks. Don't worry, you're a house. God's presence can reside in you. Yo, that's actually a good compliment for a friend. You're a house, man. (laughs) Strong foundations. (laughs) Don't tell a lady your roof looks nice. (laughs) That will totally not work. (laughs) But here's the incredible thing, friend. You can become... The place of worship. Let me tell you about the rest of my trip. So we hike the whole amphitheater in the Drakensberg up and down, 3.5 Ks ascend, and uh, I don't know how many kilometers actually down again. And then the last day, they take us up to the highest point, and there's a cross that overlooks the whole amphitheater of the Drakensberg. Did you see that photo that I brought? Did they show it? Eddie? That photo of mine? That was the first morning, just by the way. So that wasn't just like very high up. We went, we, I, I wasn't, I couldn't have my phone with me, so our leader took some of the photos for that morning. But we hiked the last day up until the cross, where we can overlook the whole amphitheater. I went to sit there at the cross and I just gazed upon this beautiful, beautiful scenery in front of me. And I realized in that moment, I just burst out in tears as I sat there. I was journeying with God for three days in the mountains, spoke to Him, sorted things out, engaged with Him, worshipped Him every morning, prayed. And as I sat on that last point at the cross, I just started crying. And I said, Lord, how great are you? How beautiful is your creation? How glorious. Just spontaneously started to worship him there. You know what happened? In that moment, he became king again. I repented of the other kings in my life that I have brought to that place of importance in my life. Second thing that happened is God started to speak to me about my purpose, my roles in life. The things that I've maybe missed in terms of my role as a dad, as a husband, as a church leader, as a friend, as a family member. And God started to align my purpose in that moment. For the first time, I saw some of these things clearly. I'm busy with the wrong things. I'm out of role. I'm I'm not functioning in what I'm supposed to function. And I repented of that and I aligned again my life to God's purposes. You know what happened? God started to speak to me about every child in my house, every boy. He started to speak to me about my wife. He started to speak to me about my team that I lead here at church. He started to speak to me about this church. He spoke to me about our city. He gave me dreams. He gave me visions. Just because I took the time to worship Him, My friend, you don't have to take a trip to the mountains to experience that. You can experience that right now. You're in the temple. He's in you. The mountain came to dwell in you. You can declare Him Lord of your life. You can sort out the fact that you are created for something. That you can worship Him. He can start to speak to you about the things in your life that you're missing, to redefine some of the things that you are, the pressures that you are taking on, the things that you are striving for that's not of Him. Worship is important. You cannot live without breath in your lungs as a Christian. And as you make this part of your daily life, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, when you behold Him, you are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. That is what happens with us when we worship our Creator. We want to create a moment tonight. You will see that there's communion tables all over the place. On the tables, there's also breathing prayers that you can take for a moment. So I want you to go and grab some communion juice and bread. And just for a moment, surrender and say, Lord, I'm coming under your blood. I'm coming under your, your death and resurrection. I submit myself again to your Lordship. You are King. I'm not. That's what communion is all about. It's a remembrance. Who's the Savior and who's the King? And when you've done that, I want you to take one of those breathe prayers and just breathe in for a moment the Word of God. Breathe it in. Breathe it out. Just be filled with His presence. And then, maybe, just maybe, as you look to the people close to you, God would actually fill your lungs so that you can breathe out into someone else's life. A breath of life. Maybe it's just telling someone, listen here, keep on doing what you're doing. God is for you. Maybe you want to share a scripture. Maybe you want to pray for someone. Maybe God is stirring a word in you for someone. But let's take this moment, firstly, to engage with God, declare Him as King. Secondly, to make sure that you are still in God's purposes for your life. Do what you're created to do. Thirdly, let that flow over into your world. Let's stand together. I'm gonna pray for us, then you guys can move out. You're also welcome to, after you've taken communion, just get a space in the auditorium. We're gonna worship God together now. Just grab a space, maybe not in your seat, and let's just engage God for a moment. Let's lift our hands in prayer. Lord Jesus, we are honoured to be in your presence. Thank you so much that we don't have to travel to some mountain or temple to experience your presence. We are filled wall to wall with your goodness, with your love, with your presence, Holy Spirit. And tonight as your people, we cry out, fill our lungs with air. May we breathe deep from who you are, Lord. And may we exhale praise and worship unto you. In Jesus' name. Amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with him. We are all about family on mission.